Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bilotto. We have another great show lined up for you today. We have David Dickert, who is the head of Oil and Gas of Americas with Agreco in studio. But first, before we bring on David, I'd like to talk to you quickly about our latest issue of Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine. Our cover is Kathy Lane, who is the CEO of Suncoast Resources, Inc., I'd like to encourage our listeners to go to shellmag.com, click on the latest issue of Shell Magazine and learn all about Kathy. Uh, And one of the things that really um, makes me so proud to have her on our cover is the fact that this is our issue that's dedicated to the women in the energy industry. And so there's a lot of profiles on a lot of women that are just really going out there and doing some dynamic things. I'd also uh, encourage you guys, we are having our annual State of Energy in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas on August 29th. Come on down to Corpus Christi, enjoy a little bit of the sea breeze and learn a lot about oil and gas. Um, we are currently right now looking for sponsors and of course ticket sales uh, are going. It will be a sold out event. So if you're interested in coming to Corpus Christi on August 29th and being a part of Shell Magazine's State of Energy and learning all about what's going on in the Corpus Christi area as well as the Permian Basin area, I encourage you to visit shellmag.com that's s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g.com to uh, learn more and of course purchase tickets to attend you know our show airs in all markets in texas uh, primarily in houston and austin san antonio permian basin area corpus christi and um, one of uh there's a nonprofit out there called Future of the Region of South Texas. It actually is covering 47 counties in South Texas that they look at what is in the best interest for South Texas in areas of transportation, water, oil and gas, border issues, you name it. And this year, their conference will be held in Laredo on September 12th at the Texas A&M International University student center i encourage you if you want to be involved if you're living in south texas this is a conference for you Um, and i truly hope that you will get involved if you um, want to make a difference in where you're living this is the conference for you to attend but for more information visit future region stx.org and i hope to see you there but now it's time to bring on our resident energy expert and editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome. Hey, happy to be here. It's another beautiful day in Texas. It sure is. I hope you had a nice holiday. Uh, I know that uh, we had beautiful weather. It was nice and hot. And uh, so uh, we really didn't get to touch base too much over the holiday. But um, there was a lot of action that was occurring um, over the holiday with oil prices. So I want to lead in with that. Oil prices had been pretty stable a little bit higher and recently they fell by five percent uh, in these past uh, couple of days and i want to get your thoughts on what's causing this 
Yeah, they uh, they actually dropped five percent in one day. It was amazing, um, and it was just uh, because OPEC and Saudi Arabia uh, made an announcement that they're considering uh, putting some more crude oil onto the market because they're getting concerned the price was getting in a range that was a little too high for for their comfort level, which is sounds kind of weird coming from OPEC, but that's what they said, and. Uh, and so they announced that they were con- when when OPEC meets in June, they're going to consider a proposal to uh, add another 300,000 to 800,000 barrels a day to the market. Um, and when the market saw that, uh, boom, the price went down. They priced that that in immediately, and uh, so it went from 72 to 66. Came back a little bit the next couple of trading days, and and um, but you know it's just. Part of the whole thing, while we were talking a few weeks ago about all the crazy news when President Trump announced he was taking us out of the Iran deal, and all these people were saying, "Oh, oil's going to go to a hundred dollars in a month," you know, well, no, it's not because there's all these other things happening, and so it's just another thing that impacts the markets. And 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 frankly, I you know I think the price is is trading in pretty much the range between sixty five and seventy five where it's going to trade. For the rest of the year, most likely. With oil prices dropping, will this drop gas prices as well? Yeah, well, you know, it depends on how long it lasts, right? I mean, if yeah, if we have the price down by 5% for a week or two, then probably gasoline prices are going to go down by about 5% too, uh, because the gasoline price is going to follow the crude oil price. But here's the thing, when you, I, I got an email from a guy two days after that price drop asking me, well, you know, he'd gone to fill his tank up with gas and gasoline was the same price it was three days ago. He said, well, how come? And I said, well, because the gasoline you bought today uh, was manufactured from crude oil that was bought two or three weeks ago, you know, at a higher price. And so, yeah, it takes a while for these things to cycle through the system. And if the price goes right back up to $72, then, you know, it's going to be a blip on the screen. Um, But uh, that's why, you, you know, I don't know how many times I pulled into a gasoline station that posted its price, you know, for regular that morning, and you go up to the tank and it's a nickel less or a nickel more than the posted price. Well, that's be- just because they got another load of, of, of gasoline in in the meantime, and it was a little higher, a little less cost, and so they adjusted the price of the pump accordingly. So, you know, it's it's a moving target, and it's always going to be a moving target. And we can just expect to pay a little bit more at the pump in the summertime when we all yep. want to go on vacation and, and drive to the beach. Um, Shell Splainer questions, which is uh, something that you have started new with Shell Magazine. It's our Splainer where you are talking uh, usually daily on some questions uh, uh, that are being posed to you or to us. And so um, one of the Splainer questions we'd like answer is, uh, when will natural gas prices go up so I can get my minerals least important question (laughs) (laughs) for somebody out there yeah i wrote about that this week um and it's it's near and dear to my heart because i I actually own some minerals in goliad county that are just you know basically natural gas Uh, our our uh, old family farm sits on top of the the dry gas part of the eagle ford shale but it's 12 to 14,000 feet deep and you know we need five dollar natural gas have any hopes of getting a lease on that stuff and uh uh it's you know this week the price of gas was two dollars and ninety cents and the answer to the question anyway is that uh the price isn't going to go up anytime soon just because we have 
so much natural gas supply in this country. I mean, we have an amazing abundance, an incredible abundance of natural gas in these shale plays, uh, so much more than the official estimates. And and our supply in this country is only going to rise uh, probably for the rest of my lifetime, for sure. I'm 61, and, you know, I hope to live another 25, 30 years. So um, I'm probably never going to get those mineral rights leased, is, is what I'm saying to y'all. And uh, I, I hope not too many more of our listeners are in the same boat, but that's just the reality we face. Uh, we have an amazing amount of supply and not enough demand, and um, it's, it's just hard to see when that situation resolves itself. So it'll be sometime in the future. Before yeah, you can really the 22nd bank. century, even you know, I mean, <laughs> to pass down it's, to it's the children, just incredible <laughs> to your heirs. Um, you, we talked about a couple of weeks ago a poll that had come out, the Quinnipiac poll, in which it had some numbers uh, pertaining to Governor Abbott's polling numbers and, of course, Ted Cruz. And uh, I think uh, I want to try to get on that topic with you because it seems as though those numbers have changed just a little bit. So, what's going on there? Yeah, they have. A month ago, uh, the poll came out. It, it only polled uh, the Cruz uh, Beto O'Rourke race because the Democrats had not had their runoff uh, for their gubernatorial nominee at that point. And a month ago, this poll had Ted Cruz uh, with 47% support and, and O'Rourke with 44 And the new one that just came out this past week had Ted Cruz at 51 and, and O'Rourke at 40, which if you remember our conversation last month, you know, I was like, you know, I think this poll's probably not quite right uh, and that the margin is really wider than that. And we'll see we'll see polls in the future come out with wider margins. And there it is, you know, and I think this one's probably a really a, more of a valid snapshot of where the race is and probably pretty close to where it's going to end up at the end of the day. Um, and the governor's race, of course, uh, Ms. Valdez was just nominated a couple of weeks ago or last week and uh, she came on the scene with bang she did she did and uh but she's you know she's trailing badly it's 58 to 39 right now in favor of abbott in this poll and uh you know one thing she's suffering from right now is she's not going to have real broad name recognition across the state with you know with voters who didn't vote in the democratic primary and so I expect that race will tighten up somewhat, probably more in line with where the Cruz O'Rourke race is. And and that's probably, you know, about where they're all going to end up statewide in November, quite honestly. I mean, that's just, of course, just my opinion, but uh, it's it's a real uphill battle for the Democrats in this state. Well, very interesting. And with that, David, we do have to take a quick break. But when we return, David Dickert, the head of Oil and Gas for Americas with Agreco, will be joining us in studio. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss that. And we'll be right back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. In the Oil Patch Radio Show is proud to bring you this week's Energy Minute produced by shalemag.com. Here's Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your current industry update. This is Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your Energy Minute. Oil prices got a boost yesterday as reports said that a source close to OPEC believes supply increases will not come this year as the Saudis are content to leave the current deal in place until next year. This countered rumors that OPEC and Russia may lift agreed cuts early to balance disruptions in Venezuela 
Venezuelan production. In other news, the Chinese have announced plans to invest $2 billion into building a refinery in Iran, indicating that new opportunities to provide refined products to the region are developing as Iranian oil may be discounted thanks to U.S. sanctions. WTI ended the day up $1.34 to close at $68.21 per barrel. This is Ryan Sitton, and that's your Energy Minute. Listen to In the Oil Patch Radio and keep up with the oil and gas industry online at shalemag.com. From the industry's toughest frack equipment manufacturer comes the latest innovation in frack sand delivery. Introducing Sandforce, the new frack sand delivery system from Dragon. The unique design, double drop gravity fed discharge system is trailer mounted and unloads the standard 25 tons in less than 12 minutes. So go ahead, give yourself an unfair advantage. Put the power of Sandforce to work for you today. Call 800-231-8198. Again, that number is 800-231-8198 or visit dragonsandforce.com. We're back. Our guest today is David Dickert, head of the oil and gas for the Americas for Agreco. And David, this is our last series. It is indeed. I'm going to miss you when you're gone. I have Likewise. to tell you, Likewise. you've been a great mentor and hopefully I've been a great student of trying to get uh, a little bit more information on how, in what way does it work out in the field. Right. Not a lot of people get access to a rig site. Uh, there's safety reasons. And so it's, 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 it's an area where most people really have no clue what's going on. And so these six series have really, truly helped me. And I know it's helped all of us understand better what is really going on out there. And I'm pleasantly surprised to hear how much innovation is being used in the way of energy or by energy companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, always keeping in mind the green aspect of that. But I do, you know, we, we've talked a lot about power and how uh, oil and gas is powering up out there. I want to talk a little bit about, and, and this segment I really wanted to give a lot of time to, on the processes that are out there that are enhancing right. um, the rigs. Right. So right. tell me a little bit about what is process enhancement and how right. is it being utilized? Yeah, so uh, all of these segments that we've we've been talking about up until now have all been focused around power generation. And, you know, if you really boil it down and say uh, from an Agreco perspective, um, how do we support the industry? It's primarily from a power standpoint, right? Um, but there's a lot more to Agreco than just power generation. I mean, that's primarily what we're known for. But we have a number of heating and cooling applications that we support the oil and gas industry with. As an example, let's talk about the water that's utilized for fracking, right? So that's you, a very big discussion, always. Exactly, water, water, water. Exactly. It's a resource that's scarce, especially in a Permian Basin. Um, and everybody wants to make sure that water is being utilized um, in a way that is mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, to try to recycle it as much right. as possible. Reuse, exactly. Reuse and exactly. repurpose, exactly. When an oil and gas company is retrieving oil, it's also retrieving other products as well. And That's part right. of this is, is what is known as brackish water, correct? That's right. That's right. And so this brackish water comes out. Explain the process from there, because I want, I want to be able to visualize how this is working, what you're doing. Right. So the challenge for... For the industry around reusing the water is um, 
controlling the temperature of the water so it can be injected into the reverse osmosis machines that can clean it up. So they frack it. Right. And then as that water comes back out of the hole, they clean it up and then we, we reuse it. When they're producing the water, when that water comes up, they dispose of that straight down into the disposal well. So the water that, that we're helping with the cleanup with for fracking is reusing the fresh water. So the fresh water that's being taken from ponds and different mm-hmm. sources in and around the area, uh, once it is used and comes back out of the hole from a fracking operation, then we're taking that water and we're cooling it down so it can be injected at a high rate into these reverse osmosis machines to clean it up. Mm-hmm put it in ponds, and reuse it again. Excellent. So fresh water is being, uh, it's not, I think there was a time when people believed that fresh water um, was being used over and over and over, and it was just using an enormous amount of water, and there was no recycling whatsoever that was going on. Um, Now, what I'm hearing you say is that with the technology that Agreco has, it's cooling down that water so it can be put back into reverse mm-hmm. osmosis, and then, of course, reused. Right. So how many, just out of curiosity, how many, uh, is there a, a is there a, an amount that usually you can get out of using for the first frack, using the fresh water, and then, of course, the uh, right. using the reverse osmosis? Can you get two, three, four, five more frack jobs reusing this water? Possibly. I mean, again, it, it, there's a cost um, with disposing of this water and buying new fresh water or achieving new fresh water. And there's a cost with cleaning this water up, storing it, transporting it, and then reusing it. So, you know, you have to balance that, that whole piece. And when that water is, is, um, is hot and you have to put added cooling to it before you can put it into the reverse hospital, that's the added cost. And that's cost. what you guys do. That's right. That's the added cost, too. So it's really uh, efficiencies around, you know, how are we impacting the environment in a certain way. And, you know, Greco supports um, R&D-type systems as well. And there's uh, some tests, there were some tests years ago going on with fracking with gases. So instead of fracking with water, fracking with gases. And uh, we were a big part of some some R&D work where when that gas comes back out of the hole, you have to cool it Mm because it's really hot. You have to cool it so you can you can reuse it in a closed loop system. So our cooling systems were designed and, and put into place in, in this R and D to again, thinking differently from a fracking standpoint to try to figure out is there a better, more efficient um, way to uh, to accomplish this. I'll um, I'll shift a bit of gears and and, and talk about uh, some seasonal limitations. So um, a lot of the midstream plants that are out into the oil field, uh, some some are overloaded because there's too much uh, uh, gas coming to these plants and they can't produce it fast enough, uh, or they're old and they're running it beyond capacity. So there's a whole lot of applications that, that uh, we support with midstream plants to where we're uh, adding additional cooling into their process stream uh, that we're cooling these gases so they can run the plant either above capacity 
or at capacity due to seasonal limitations, meaning it's just so hot outside. It's, you know, you know how it gets in Texas. It's 105 degrees in the summertime and uh, things begin to derate because of high ambient temperatures. So enter, enter a Greco, so to speak, to where we put uh, different cooling solutions in place to help, help companies and plants uh, continue to operate at full capacity during those times. Excellent. Well, David, we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Oil Field Experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Specializing in hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, Oil Field Experts have been providing parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. And we're back. Our guest today is David Dickert with Agreco. David, before the break, we were talking about process enhancements, if you will, and we had a whole segment on cooling. But I am honestly the type of person that I can't really wrap my head around it unless I can really kind of visualize what do these things mean. And so I don't think I've really gotten a good understanding of in what way are these cooling gas cooling processes being utilized? Like, give me some examples. Okay, so so at the wellhead, coming off the wellhead, you have water, oil, crude oil, water, crude oil, and gas, and these three streams are are going in three different directions. There's a separation process, and so when you're taking this to uh, to market, so to speak, or to to a central gathering facility, so to speak. Um, these three products are coming off at varying temperatures. Depending on the uh, formation, uh, this gas or oil or water could be coming off at extremely high temperatures. Right. So what do you do with that? You, you either uh, pull back on the transport or the movement of the product, so you slow it down, so it, it, it goes down the pipeline or goes in the trucks at a very slow rate, which nobody really wants to do that, because right? Because time is money. Time is money. Or you have to cool it down. So you can take it to market or take it down to down the road at, at the normal rate or higher rates. So let's take a gas stream, for example. So supposedly we have a gas stream coming off of a wellhead at a high temperature. So we have applications that we work with uh, production companies with to where we can put a fin-fan cooling system or a mechanical refrigeration system, small, modular, scalable pieces of product, just like we were talking about with generators, with engineering around it, that we send it straight through that 
that process that, that we're modular right on site, send it straight through the process, drop the temperature of the gas, and take it to market at a, at a very high rate. So that's a, that's a complicated application. But you really made it very well, simple. I could, well, I could visualize it. I could see it. Right. And so we'll give you a, a real simple application and one around safety because uh, that's first in what we all do. Every company that's operated in the oil field today, safety is the number one thing that everybody talks about the, before you even start the day. They're you talk about it during moments. the day. <laughs> you, you talk about it at the end of the day. We, we want to stay safe. So you have uh, these fracking operations that have lots of equipment on these well pads. You have lots of people on the well pads. Everybody's working uh, really fast. So it's 105 degrees outside. And on the well pad with all this equipment and everything running, you know, it's 110, 115, 120 degrees there. Super hot. Super hot. So how do you maintain productivity while making sure that you are safe and everybody is as comfortable as they can be. You don't have any kind of overheating. So we put cooling zones on these sites. So little areas that when people can take a break, instead of taking a break in 105 degree or 120 degree areas, they can go in and sit down in a 75, 80 degree area in these cooling zones so they can have lunch or take a break. It's, it's, it's a small thing that makes a really big difference uh, from a safety standpoint on a lot of these sites in the summertime. And it's all around safety and it's all around making sure that, uh, that uh, we pe- keep folks as comfortable as they can and keep everybody as safe as they can. Well, it, it brings to mind the, the saying, this ain't, I think they say, this ain't your uh, granddad's oil field. You know, it, it's, it's modernized now. But you bring up a very good point. It, these guys are out there wearing a whole lot of hardware, um, un- these safety uniforms, if you will, and it gets hot. And, um, you know, I think that is a real problem for a lot of the oil and gas companies is how do we keep uh, our employees safe, especially mm-hmm. with heat exhaustion and heat stroke, which is you can die from that. That's exactly right. Um, and so it is important that you have a way of being able to um, keep them uh, hydrated and cool. And I, I've seen it through the years that we've had, uh, you know, of course, a lot of uh, partners, advertisers in Shell Magazine, and, and some of them were these uh, big fans that have the, the porticles and then, uh, you know, whatever it may be. It's a real problem out there. And it's good to see that. I think when you do go into a room, you immediately your core temperature goes down. Mm-hmm. And so it's 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 different than a fan or something like that. It's truly just the ability to, to cool that person down quickly. So if they are getting overheated, exactly. there's an opportunity to uh, change that quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, David, with that, we're going to close with that piece. But when we come back, I want to get back into now on the other side of the, the spectrum, the heating aspect of, of uh, what's happening in oil and gas. But we do have to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. We'll be right back. Have you heard of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, the largest state association in the country? For a membership tailored just to fit your budget, contact Sandy Simon at 281-997-7223. 
From the industry's toughest frack equipment manufacturer comes the latest innovation in frack sand delivery. Introducing Sandforce, the new frack sand delivery system from Dragon. The unique design, double drop gravity fed discharge system is trailer mounted and unloads the standard 25 tons in less than 12 minutes. So go ahead, give yourself an unfair advantage. Put the power of Sandforce to work for you today. Call 800-231-8198. Again, that number is 800-231-8198 or visit dragonsandforce.com. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. And we're back. Today's guest is David Dickert, head of the oil and gas for the Americas for Agreco. David, I want to change gears a little bit and talk about um, how is the oil and gas company overcoming when it gets to be really super cold? Right. What are those processes? Really, I mean, there's there's a lot of focus that we have on the drilling side, and it's all about keeping things from freezing, including people. Um, because in some of these areas up north, western Canada and the Dakotas, I mean, it, it can get minus 40 degrees. And you're on a, uh, you're on a drilling platform. And, and That's difficult to work in those kind it's of harsh cold. environments. It's cold. So uh, we have um, these uh, large uh, blower systems with electric heat. Uh, diesel-fired heaters, uh, gas-fired heaters, different types of fuel sources um, that that really blow air, warm air, long distances, very very fast, and will cool the the drill, uh, will heat the drilling platform uh, from a from a comfort standpoint, so you can continue to work in, in that hazardous environment where it's so cold. The other thing is, uh, as you're fracking in that cold weather. You got to keep the water from freezing, right? So um, there's these large uh, fluid heating machines that will fire up, and they operate off of either diesel or natural gas. And large volumes of water will go through these machines. These fluid um, heaters will heat the water up, so it won't freeze before we can get it down hole. Are there any other products? I mean, I would imagine that those kind of temperatures is isn't everything freezing? Pretty much, exactly. <laughs> so, if, you, if you don't have heat on it, it's going to freeze. Yeah, so I guess does this technology have the ability to, to be used in other areas as well, like mud or exactly. other products that are being used? Right, so we can, we can uh, just like, you know, we have applications that, that cool the mud, then we can reverse that and we can, we can heat that as well. On production, once the, once the site goes into production, 
there's a lot of heat tracing that is really put on everything. So think about it. It's minus 20, minus 40 degrees outside. There's a lot of heat tracing that goes on all the instrumentation and the different lines. And so now we're back to power generation for heating. Uh, all the heat tracing, the producers will put heat tracing on. That, that brings a need for more power. So enter in what we were talking about in the other phases. So we put generation for, uh, for powering heat tracing in, in, the, in the winter climates. Yeah. Now, you know, through our past five shows, we have had a lot of discussion on the upstream part uh, and how uh, obviously a Greco has been uh, transforming more of the upstream, helping upstream transform. And we've covered a little bit about pipeline, but this is no, y'all are not new to this game either on the midstream part and, and the pipeline area. So, right. uh, you know, rather it's your uh, power boosters or power automation parts that are helping with pipelines. Tell me a little bit about what is the enhancement part you're doing pertaining to your pipeline or to the pipeline area. Right. So we, we operate large capacity um, air compressors that will push, they're, they're called pigs. So they're, they're inspection uh, plugs, uh, pigs that, that, that will inspect the piping and they'll clean the piping. But these items are, are transported or moved by compressed air, large volumes of, of compressed air. So um, we have a large industrial air compressors that um, will calculate the type of pressure and the volume that we need to push these test instruments down a line that's either put into play that's new or is taken out of service for inspection and repair. So we work with these companies to, to support that type of application. And the other thing is, is when they're injecting water or a chemical within this, uh, within this piping for testing, will regulate the temperature so we can either take the fluid and, and heat it up or cool it down so they can get varying degrees of testing done on the piping before they put it back in the service. Well, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we're talking about pipelines um, and how you guys are, are working with them because I think that there's been so much, once again, uh, negative publicity on pipelines. And um, as an outsider, usually always looking in, because, you know, I've never worked a day in oil and gas, but my job is to cover oil and gas. When you think about all the trucks that are on the road hauling, whether it's water, mm -hmm. oil, whatever it may be, um, you, you think about the gas consumption, uh, the uh, admissions going into the air from, mm -hmm. from these trucks on the road. That's a huge problem. You, you think about wrecks that can potentially happen, so there's safety on the roads uh, or even rail. Mm -hmm. Any way that the industry is, is getting their product to market, it is always safer to have it underground. And yet the mindset of, of some people and, and the PR that goes out is just completely, you would think it was the worst thing in the world. And yet they're so necessary. And mm -hmm. the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because as we start seeing more and more pipelines coming online now again because of this administration, it's, it is kind of important to understand all right, who's doing? Who's yeah. helping in these processes? Who's enhancing these processes? Uh, because what we want is we want these pipelines, but we also want them to be um, safe, right. and we want to be able to monitor them, and we want to be able to help uh, make sure that these pipelines come online and right. continue to come online in, in a safe and productive manner. Well, there's there's so much testing and certification that that goes in with these pipelines. 
um, we're happy to be a part of it, and we're happy to be um, a part of, of, of making them as safe as they can. But I can tell you there's a lot of maintenance that goes in, a lot of inspection, a lot of testing uh, within this area of oil and gas for sure. Right. And, David, with that, we do have to take a quick break. But when we return, this will be our last segment together and uh, from the six series. And I do want to close out with understanding a little bit more about where is Agreco going and its commitment to oil and gas. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three and six person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha source side-by-side owner study. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Oilfield Experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. Specializing in hard-to-find oil-filled parts for your fleet maintenance needs, oil-filled experts have been providing parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oil-filled experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And we're back. Our guest today is David Dickert with Agreco. David, this is, again, like I said before the break, our last segment together. Uh, It has been fun, and it has been very informative. Uh, I I truly, uh, being with Shell Magazine for five years and being on the radio for Mm -hmm. uh, now two and a half, uh, I don't honestly feel I have really learned Um, so much in such a short period of time pertaining to oil and gas. So thank you for coming in and helping all of us understand a little bit better what's really going on behind the scenes in oil and gas. But I want to leave on understanding a little bit more about Agreco because you guys Mm -hmm. have been in the oil and gas business uh, for a long time. And so I want to talk a little bit about where you guys going and heading with the oil and gas companies. Right. Well, we're definitely here for the long haul. I can tell you that. Um, um, oil and gas is uh, a really big part of Agreco's business today. It has been a big part in the past, and we're, we're definitely looking to expand as we move into the future. Um, and because we are sectorized as the way we uh, take Agreco to market, for us, uh, I think people is first. You know, we really are committed to developing our, our people resource. Um, and you know, Agreco has its own in-house learning environment. So we have our own school that we send technicians through and our salespeople through, and and um, we enhance our engineers' knowledge through in-house training department uh, that we have. So we're real happy to um, take that sectorized 
and take the oil and gas industry and, and have technicians that are experts in oil and gas and, and not just understand our equipment and applications, but you have to understand the whole industry, right? Exactly. So when you get on site and, and you're on site with, with a producer and that, that uh, there's a technician that works for, say, uh, Shell, and an Agreco technician is on site, you have to have the same industry knowledge because you guys are, are working toward the same end goal. So not only do we need to understand our products and services, but we even need to understand our customers' industry and their business even more. So we're incorporating all of that into our learning environment on a sector basis. So I'm really proud of that, and I think that's really going to help us evolve and, and bring more to the industry. And then we've talked a lot about the products, right, the, the products and services that, 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 we're, that we're working on. And I think the biggest thing that we're doing right now is we're listening. So we're listening to the industry, we're listening to our customers, and we're trying to learn as much as we possibly can so we can go to work and we can uh, engineer solutions and engineer products to, uh, to take us the next step forward. I think what is also um, interesting and, and must be mentioned is that Agreco is a global company. So, you know, you have um, the ability to really invest big dollars into making sure that you guys are growing in the right areas uh, like technology and and keeping uh, your or, or investing in your team to where they are coming up with solutions that are going to be not only efficient, but also environmentally friendly. And those things are important because not all companies, in my opinion, look at that. They look at the bottom dollar and trying to find a solution. And it doesn't matter at what cost, because sometimes cheapest is not always the best, especially in today's uh, right. times. We really do need to be more sensitive to our environment. I know that all oil and gas companies care. And at the end of the day, aren't we all environmentalists anyway? We care about our planet. We all have to live on it. But it's nice to see a global company really, it's one thing to say it. It's a total it's totally another thing to actually do it. Right. And that's what I keep hearing through your through your different products is that you're coming up with these different ways of doing things that are really helping these operators understand you can do it, you can save money, but you can also right. help the environment. So <laughs> this is a really good thing, and I'm so right. happy that we were able to uh, to get right. you uh, to come in for six sure. series with us because sure. I know you're busy. Uh, any final parting thoughts? Well, I guess uh, I guess I'll part with this, and it's it was interesting. You know, this week um, I was talking with uh, a couple of our manufacturing leaders at, at the office, and it's 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 so interesting how all of the industries are tied together, and we're currently working with some brand new steel plants that are opening up within the U.S. And the reason these steel plants are opening or ramping up. It's because of the oil and gas industry, because they're making drill pipe. So Agreco is working with these steel plants to put in uh, cooling tower system to, to cooling tower systems to quench the steel, to get it out the door faster so we can get it to the oil field so it can go to work. So I think the, the, the point here is that uh, in some way, shape, fashion, or form, we're all kind of connected so we should try to help one another out as best as we can and continue to think forward. So that's that's what we're about. Well, it sounds like you probably should be coming back here in the near future. And it sounds like another show talking about what's happening in the steel industry. But for now, 
that concludes our six series. Thank you again, uh, and thank Agreco for really supporting the desire that that we have to help educate the community to what really is going on behind the scenes in oil and gas, mm-hmm. and the really great environmentally friendly and green technology that does exist out there in the community that the oil and gas companies are using. So thank you again for coming in, and we look forward to when you come back again, and we'll do some more learning series, if you will. Okay. Thank you guys very much. I'd like to encourage our listeners, if you have a question, we are here to answer it. If you have a question, no matter how simple or how difficult you think it might be, please email us at radio at shellmag.com. Again, that's radio at shellmag.com. And we will have our resident energy expert, David Blackman, answer it for you. But that is all the time we have for this show. Please be sure to like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash in the oil patch radio show. And follow us on Twitter at ShellMag. And also be sure to go to ShellMag.com and sign up for our free newsletter. With that, you will receive the latest issue of Shell Magazine, insightful articles, the Energy Minute, as well as many, many business articles as well. That's going to wrap up another great show. We'll see you next week with more exciting news and insightful interviews. Until then, adios. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Mulatto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.